0: Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed. It celebrates their triumphs and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System and your host for Upholding Valor. Our topic today is post-traumatic stress. It affects about 10 to 15% of our veterans, but in talking with my guest today, it could be a lot higher, which we'll get into that. It is not something, if you're listening, that you need to just deal with and live with. It is treatable and it's possible to deal with the trauma and go on to lead an active, engaged life. I also want to dispel the myth that all veterans struggle with this and are violent as a result. Uh, We see a lot of that depicted in the media at times and it simply is not true. So I want to welcome my guest today. I'm so honored to have Elizabeth Scott. She is a psychologist here at VA Salt Lake City with our PTSD team. And we also have Dawn Height, who is an Air Force veteran, retired. She did 21 years. You should be proud of that. Um, and, and she is struggling with post traumatic stress or PTSD as a result of her MST experience in the military. For those of you that don't know what MST stands for, it's military sexual trauma. So thank you so much, both of you, for being here. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's an important topic and it's a topic that we can't talk about enough. So Elizabeth, I want to start with you. Uh, for, for family members, for veterans who, who might not be sure, can we talk about the general symptoms of PTSD and how and why it happens?
1: Yeah, definitely. This is something that I get asked a lot, even just when meeting people, and they hear that I work at the VA. They're like, "Okay, well, how how would anybody know if it's you know worth getting checked out or um, if it's something that they might be struggling with?" So, you know, the first thing to understand is that PTSD comes from a trauma, and uh, trauma specifically, the way that we look at it. You know, with a diagnostic point of view, is something that is life threatening and that happens in a time limited situation. Um, it's something like a car accident, it could be natural disaster, sexual trauma, military combat. Um, or sometimes even like traumatic loss. And it can happen to people in lots of different types of ways. So um, they might directly experience it. They might witness it happen to something else, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or they might um, learn about the details of it afterwards as a, a part of their job. Like, for instance, if they're a first responder. Um, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, that's okay. What does, what does trauma typically look like for a veteran, either a combat veteran or in the case of, of Dawn, uh, she wasn't in combat. Mm-hmm. What, what, what can happen to a soldier and, and how does
1: this come back to haunt them? Yeah, the range is huge. And so this is something that we, we get a lot where people are like, well, I'm not really sure if I have PTSD because mine is, is related to a friend who died in combat. I didn't see it. I just heard about it and I wasn't there. And even if it's something like that, PTSD can still develop because it's about the way that it affects the way you think about yourself, other people, and the world, right? And these people, even if they weren't there to witness it, they might have thoughts like, well, it's my fault. I should have been there. I should have told them not to go. It should have been me and not them. And these types of thoughts can then limit a person's life where they don't feel like they can relate to people as well. Um, they have a hard time being out in public because intrusions about what happened um, or what might have happened if they didn't actually witnessed it. Um, they could be popping in their head from time to time and keeping them from being able to interact and enjoy their life the way that they would like to. Like flashbacks, nightmares. Yeah, absolutely. So you asked about symptoms. Sure. Um, we break those down into four different groups. So after a trauma. People can experience symptoms like intrusions and that's like what you just uh, what you just mentioned. So nightmares, flashbacks, um, you know, sitting out at a restaurant and all of a sudden somebody walks by and you smell something that reminds you of a food that was served on your deployment. And then suddenly you're transported back there and it feels like, yeah, it feels like everything's happening again. Um, another set of symptoms is avoidance. So people might do things to keep themselves busy. We hear a lot of times people are saying like, oh, well, you know, I just am woodworking all day. But to the point where I've, I've hurt my back and I've cut up my hands because I'm doing this so frequently and for such long periods of time. Or they might um, engage in overworking to the point where their family members are like, you're never home, you're never around us. Um, There's also avoidance of external reminders like the triggers that you mentioned. So, um, you know, driving in a a route that takes longer to get to work because they don't want to drive past a construction site um, or a place where there's kind of a choke point in traffic, um, things that might remind them of something that happened. Um, And then they also will experience those changes in thoughts and feelings like uh, it's my fault or I'm not safe anywhere, which can make them feel anxious, alone. Um, And then the last one is one that I think a lot of people come into therapy for is the hypervigilance um, and the hyperarousal. So kind of constantly scanning, searching, looking for the exits, trying to find a way out, or being really easily startled, jumpy, irritable, um, maybe even engaging in risk-taking behavior or having a hard time concentrating because your brain's constantly on high alert trying to take everything in. Sounds overwhelming.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Is any of this ringing a bell? For you, oh gosh, Dawn. all of it. Can you can you tell me a little bit about your story, your your service, what you did, sure, and um, your 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 journey
2: to get through this portion of your life and what you're struggling with? Sure, absolutely, and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate thank you. It. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of start a little bit earlier in my life. Um, my childhood wasn't as great, um, loving environment. Um, There was some childhood abuse and traumas. So that's kind of um, a start for my path. And I, I had a little bit of therapy uh, from that, um, but wasn't as effective. Joining the military was the first time I had left the state of Florida. I grew up in a very small rural area, so I went to uh, Germany at 20. And uh, First time away from home, first time away from everything. It was amazing. Right. My job was in the fire department. Um, my first uh, year uh, in Germany uh, with the fire department, I was one of 250 guys. And they just weren't set up for women at the time. It was the sure. late 90s, and you know they didn't have a bathroom. They didn't have a bedroom for me, so a lot of changes had to occur because they wanted to introduce women into these other jobs and other careers. So that's where I started. And my first... Um, uh, event occurred my first year uh, in the military so yeah first year um, it was difficult uh, and confusing mm-hmm. because you join the military to be taken care of and to be part of something bigger and greater and wow it was just uh, it was unusual so uh worked through that um, or tried my best to work through it started getting um, what I realize now was a lot of medical issues from it right um You internalize things so much, and it manifests. Oh, and you're told, don't tell, because you're the one that calls this. It's your fault. Um, Were you really told
0: that? Oh, God, yes. Many times. So you went to report or talk about what was happening, and it was downplayed?
2: Oh, it wasn't. I was advised not to report. Okay. Um, If I wanted a career. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I was one that if if I could sign up at 20, if I could have um, signed my initiation papers for 20 years I would have done that Mm -hmm. that's how committed I was to this uh, air force and yeah when you're told that you're like oh my gosh you know this this just happened to me I don't know what to do I don't have anybody to protect me I'm in Germany in another country what do we do Uh, and then you're being told don't tell because it's your fault Um, you Mm -hmm. caused this you crossed the line Um, I was younger ranking than this individual which that seemed to, um, occur as higher ranking compared to the lower ranking. Um, so, uh, I was able to move to another base. Um, and then my third base, um, I had another experience, um, with military sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and, um, were these,
0: were these superiors? Oh yeah.
2: Okay. One was, um, enlisted. Um, one was a civilian, uh, and we worked in the fire department and we had to stay there at night. Um, But they didn't have locks on the doors. That wasn't allowed either. I'm not sure why, but um, so, so many medical issues started happening. So many more things. I went to the doctor. I had stomach issues. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't sleep. They gave me Ambien, gave me these pain pills, some other pain pills. (laughs) So much was happening. Just so many weird signs and symptoms coming up with my health and I just never realized that was because of the traumas. So, so much of that was occurring. I went to the doctors and they gave me the personality adjustment disorder, which is the number one disorder they give for people who are have experienced military sexual trauma.
1: Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Ad- adjustment disorder yeah. is really commonly given when you're mm-hmm. in the military. And it's it's a, a name of a disorder that I don't think fully encapsulates sure. yeah, what it doesn't. actually is. It sounds yeah. like you're having a problem adjusting to something that you should be able yes. to adjust to, which is just not what's actually happening, right. right? And I think part of the reason why they give adjustment disorders because it's a stressor that's still ongoing, yeah. right? Which is really, really tricky that like PTSD, the blessing of that is that the trauma has ended Yeah, with an adjustment disorder it means that it's still something that you're having to deal with, whether it's sexual assault or just chronic sexual harassment, which has huge, mm-hmm. huge negative effects on your feelings of safety, trust, power and control, yeah. esteem, I'll intimacy, all of the things yeah. that, that we look at with PTSD treatment. And so, yeah, it's like it underrepresents the distress and the the trauma of what people who experience military sexual assault have to deal with and I think the purpose of the the title is to acknowledge that this is still something that's happening that it has not ended which is just just so devastating yeah
0: so you kept suppressing and Mm -hmm. just moving forward because your career in the air force was important to you
2: yeah, and it came to a point where these medical issues actually disqualified me from being a firefighter. So the major depression, the anxiety, not sleeping, uh, not performing, um, and then, of course, the, they would come up with pelvic inflammatory, dis- mm-hmm. or pelvic inflammatory disease because of all the issues. Sure. But never once was asked. Mm-hmm. Never. Did you ever offer that information? No. Right. No. Because I knew it was disqualifying I was already having problems adjusting. So what they did, they actually retrained me because once I became disqualified yeah. with all those signs and symptoms um, and diagnoses, they retrained me into a different job, into public health, where I stayed the rest of my career. But through that rest of that career, uh, so many times that these traumas keep coming back up and these signs and symptoms just kept coming back and I would just push them down. Yeah. Um, or it got to the point where I, I tried to hide it and lie no 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 everything's fine um I'll get to that project or I forgot to do the project or whatever I would just lie so I would get in more trouble and it's so common when I'm looking back I look back on all the people I supervised like oh I must have missed I could have missed something that they were going through because I missed it myself
0: well and and just to have to go through that change because of your trauma you identified yourself as a firefighter mm-hmm. probably loved it and then no. on top of all your trauma you have to transition into mm-hmm. a new career field which is always challenging when you're when you're stressed to begin with at what point either in the military or after you retired did it just become too much oh, when you realized yeah. you needed some, some serious help with this. Well, at
2: one point, um, the first time they'd given me the diagnosis of PTSD, I actually fought with the um, military psycho- psychologist. I was like, there's no way you're giving me that diagnosis. I did not go to combat. I didn't get shot at. You're not going to take that from those people. And mm. Give it to me. Aww. So it took a lot that's, of convincing. That's, o-
0: that's okay. You're, you're, you're very similar to many humble yeah. veterans <laughs> when it comes to... Disability ratings and getting help and and receiving yeah. monetary yeah, disability.
2: It's difficult yeah, still, but he convinced me um, it was my career. Or I go to an in residential PTSD program mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. So I you went, did this while you were still I in. Oh, still active duty, okay, which okay. was so. Which is, difficult and so unusual. Yeah, that's pretty rare. It was. Um but he he was it was a new program they were starting for a lot of people. It just happened to be that I I could go and attend this with so much I had and he knew it wasn't going to come out. These traumas were not coming out of my mouth. Right. It did not matter what happened. They were never never coming out because that's that's my career, that's my pride and Yeah. And you don't want that coming out either because you're looked at as a stigma. Um it's your fault. But he sent me to the course, and it was great. It was a good course. It Mm -hmm. it taught me cognitive behavioral therapy, which is another process that we can use. So it was good for the time, and it helped me for the next couple years until something else happened. I was triggered again. Mm. Something else came up, and it just was more than I could take. And either I would get in more trouble or I would just be so depressed Mm -hmm. or overwork or hypervigilant or just it was so many things going on. It wasn't until... uh, Right before a year before I retired, uh, the stress had gotten so bad. Um, I actually had two, um, I guess what they kind of called a pre heart attack. Mm-hmm. So, supraventricular tachycardia, uh, just really got me where they really had to, to give me meds to stop the heart twice and uh, shock me twice. So, stress really does a lot. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So you retire. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you medically retire, or you just decide i had no. enough and it's time? That's what had happened. Um, okay.
2: When I, I had the, that diagnosis, um, the way it is, it was a disqualifying factor for the military. Okay. So they were going to medical board me, and I said, nope, I'm going to retire on my own. So I was able to submit the paperwork um, before uh, they could medically retire me. So I was able to retire on my own. And well, you are proud. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> you are. Proud and stubborn and <laughs> right. defiant. You needed and
0: that documentation, though, yes. for later. Well, but that we'll get to right. that. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> it wasn't until uh, I retired in December. Mm-hmm. I was uh, on four months of leave because I had saved up a lot of leave. Mm-hmm. January uh, came, and it was our youngest daughter's birthday. Uh, February, she was hit and killed and, uh, by a drunk driver. She just turned 21. <sighs> So, I'm so sorry. We get through that, sort of. We're still working on it. Uh, and April is when I retire, April 17. Uh, and then I get a uh, diagnosis for the first cancer. A lot more to this story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You've been through so much. Yeah. But it's, it's, I tell this now and I share this now because the outcome and where I'm at now is so powerful and so just unbelievable to me that yeah. it's so important to share my entire journey now. That it's not just the MST coming forward. It's everything. Sure. So April 2nd was my first appointment at the VA. I was 100% retired. (laughs) I had no repercussions. I had no fears of somebody coming after me. um, Disputing any claims uh, or anything like that. And you let it all out. Yeah. So... That poor lady at at woman's clinic, <laughs> she got a she got a lot. So I walk in and she's like, "Okay, tell me what's going on." And I was like, "Here's everything." And then, oh, by the way, I need some help because my daughter was just killed, our youngest. And I said, "Oh, and uh, MST." I, I had hmm. two experiences. Um, she's looking through the files for all the MST stuff, and I said, "You you won't find it." So I have four records. I said, "You won't find anything. Not a single word saying MST." I said, "You'll see all the trauma." You'll see all the medical stuff, but you won't see it, Miss Tate.
0: Right, because you didn't tell them. No. And now you're,
2: now you're gonna. Now you did. Yeah. Now, now I am. So. So she got me to the right places. She got me to yeah. the amazing therapies and and all these different therapies. They all had their points and places. You know, I, I would do mindfulness. Sure. I did the breath works, the yoga. I went to many different ones, and then I got to Warrior renew. And it's a good one. It took a while for her to convince me to do Warrior Renew because the way they treat us in the military is we're pitted against each other. We're pitted for how we look, how we talk, how we act, the rank we have. It's so much competition. It's no support. Um, There's just absolutely no support for women in the military, for each other. And it's very difficult to open up to somebody to tell them you're struggling let alone show weakness you, you're not allowed to show weakness you will get eaten alive you can show anger that's it mm-hmm. happy birthday oh i'm so angry i'm happy birthday <laughs> i'm so old happy birthday <laughs> everything's anger so yeah when i got to worry renewed that was a hard program because there's no way i'm going in with a bunch of other women mm-hmm. who want to say that they've had an experience because forbid they'd be supportive Rights? of you. You're not used to that. You, no. you
0: you do get certain things ingrained and and beat into Absolutely. you. Absolutely. In the military, I'm I'm a veteran, so oh, I I I understand and yeah. I know I haven't been what you've been through, what you've been
2: through. But I know the culture yeah. very well. And it's difficult, especially when you're in a man's job in the yeah. beginning, because they forced women in that these jobs without support. They didn't have the gear to fit. They didn't have a bathroom. Didn't have bedrooms.
0: Just. So I'm hoping now that uh, since you've been through treatment, and it sounds like a lot. It that's sounds like you've tapped into <laughs> a lot of our wonderful resources yes. that we have here. I hope that you're still not feeling like it's your
2: fault. Because no. you've said that a few times. No. I'm, I'm so past that. It is not my fault. It's not my shame. It's not, it's not me. That, that's something that happened to me, but that's not who defines me. That's not That's who not, you are. No. It's just like, um, yeah, I fell down a cliff, you know, a couple of years ago. Whatever. That's just an event that happened. Right. It doesn't define me. It doesn't say I'm clumsy all the time. That's just something that happens to me. It doesn't mean that I carry that shame anymore. And that has taken a long time, <laughs> a long time to get
0: there. This probably makes you very happy, Elizabeth. <sighs> oh, yeah. I know that you're not her therapist, but I, I, I would imagine listening to her story yeah. that you're...
1: I think anybody listening, veteran or civilian, yeah. can feel the power behind what you're saying, Dawn. And, and I imagine there's a little bit of an out-of-body experience as you're sitting here recounting all of that. Yeah. But observing your body language has just been moving. Like, I am almost in tears watching the weight of, of everything that you described, all of your trauma. And then the moment that you talked about, you know, what was it, August 2nd? Yeah. August 2nd, it just, your, your face lit up and your, your shoulders came back and and this like relief just came over you. I can only imagine what that must have been like to be able to say MST and to be able to say, you know. What happened to your daughter? And and to have somebody listen to you. And I heard you say, "Oh, that Invalidate that poor you. that poor women's health provider." Um, no, you gave her a gift. <laughs> oh, she gave I her was. Gift.
0: I'm glad you said that because <sighs> I'm like, trust me, she probably remembers you, yeah. and you're the very reason she's here doing yeah. what she does.
1: Yeah, it's our work is so gratifying you know and as a psychologist being able to sit on the other end of a person who's never been able to get the help and support that they needed and they give you the opportunity to provide that and provide avenues for change it is the reason that we do what we do and and then we stick with it is for people like you and and the story that you're telling is the veteran's story right it's never yeah. just one thing it's right. not just hey I ex- I had a perfect wonderful life my whole life before <laughs> and after this one single event um, a lot of times there is childhood trauma or pre-military trauma or, sure. or stressors those chronic stressors that that might not you know be as acute as a trauma but that still are very impactful and then there can be military trauma and sometimes that is in the form of combat mm-hmm. sometimes it's in the form of sexual assault by a superior officer or something like that but then also sometimes it's you know I was out with some friends and you know I was I was assaulted or somebody tried to push me into their car and take Take advantage of me. It doesn't have to be in the line of duty for it to be a trauma or for it to be something that you can get help for at the VA, which is really important. Um, And then all these things that you're talking about, the health things that happen Mm -hmm. after a trauma when you're not facing it, it reminds me of, you know, imagery that I give to a lot of veterans is that trauma can be like having a little kid and if you've got kids you know that when they're trying to get your attention it can start off small right like hey 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 right and they might yank on your sleeve a little bit maybe you know crawl on top of you and if you kick them off for long enough right they might make a little bit of noise but then eventually they kind of go away and you're like okay woof, taken care of but then after a while, you like hear something in the back room, and you go to open the door, and there's this huge mess. And you've got this kid in there with like diaper cream in their hair, and they've drawn on the walls, That's and there's stuff everywhere. And it's like, oh, gosh, what do I do now? And the, the tendency is to want to just shut the door and say, I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. Therapy, it says, well... Let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's get in there and let's clean this stuff up. Let's organize it. Let's put it in places that make sense and learn how to look at this kid in the eyes, tap it on the head and say, hey, I see you. And I've got this other stuff to do, right? Mm-hmm. Having Doing trauma treatment doesn't mean that you have to be zoned in on what happened all of the time. Sure. Um, we want people to be able to live their lives. It means that when it does come up and when this little kid's pulling on your sleeve saying, hey, pay me attention, you know how to look at it and say, hey, I see you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to find some space later to sit down and play, right? And it's not fun. It's not playing. Right. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that, that we look at it sometimes. So when it's in that back room, that's where all the the medical things end up coming out. And you're like, why do I feel like this? And that goes for anybody who's listening who thinks they might be struggling with PTSD. If there's things where you're like, oh, I don't know why I'm so irritated all the time. or I don't know why I'm, I'm feeling so fatigued. I don't yeah. know why I can't concentrate at work. There's usually a reason, right? And if, if we're still long enough to really reflect on what that reason might be, or if we're willing to open up to another person to help explore what that reason might be, the opportunity for for change and for help is just, it's endless, really.
0: So what's the first step someone's listening and they're like I'm going to do it sold mm-hmm. I, need, I need some help what, what would you recommend as a veteran what would you recommend as a psychologist I know we have some names and, and some extensions here that we'll definitely give out but I mean really what is the, the, the first step to you know garner that courage and, and walk through the door and say what you said
2: on August 2nd for me it's just I needed some help I just got to the point. Yeah. Got to the bottom. And I just had to make a phone call. I had to do it for me, for my family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It is so hard. It's so many ups and downs. You have to do the work. Yeah, it, it is. It's not just one program. I mean, Ori Renew was amazing to get me to start. Um, interacting with people and to start working again and and to just really open up and trust other women who are going through this and support. And I still keep in touch with those ladies, and it's been over two years. That's great. And we check in on each other. How are you today? What's going on? Um, the first step is just to make the phone call.
0: Just like the military bond that you were looking for Absolutely. Initially.
2: Yeah, I have it now after yeah. retirement. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So should we talk about how folks... Take that first up. I know that we don't have our um, open hours right now that we typically have in building 16 for open intake for PTSD because of COVID 19. Hopefully that changes soon and we can start seeing more faces around here but for now um our program director for PTSD is Dr. Steve Allen and I've known Steve for over a decade and he's amazing and he's given up his phone number so we're going <laughs> to we're going to give it out 801-582-1565 that is the main hospital number 801-582-1565 and his extension is 2390 again that's Steve Allen and the extension is 2390 um, before we go, uh, let's talk about because we're heading into July. Um, actually, by the time you're probably listening to this, Fourth of July will be over. But we have Pioneer Day coming <laughs> up, so can we talk a little bit about fireworks and and, and post traumatic stress? I don't think people realize the impact that it has on on veterans. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this is something that comes up every year as yes. we get close to July. I, I start feeling anxiety knowing that my my veterans are starting to feel anxiety for multiple reasons. So fireworks are a big part of it. Unexpected noises are a really big trigger for people with PTSD, regardless of the type of trauma. Okay, and that might sound surprising, but one of the things about PTSD is that it generalizes, it spreads out to affect many different aspects of your life, and so even if the at the time of the trauma there wasn't a big loud boom, right, it wasn't a bomb, um, big, loud, unexpected noises can trigger PTSD symptoms for people. It can trigger a lot of anxiety and physical reactions. So, you know, the 4th of July, a lot of people, a lot of veterans are able to manage symptoms on the 4th of July because they know that it's coming. What do they do? What should they do? Well, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them are left saying, I have to go sit in a room inside. I have to put on earmuffs or they go, you know, out, they go camping. They try to get somewhere where there's not going to be a, a ton of noise from the fireworks. They certainly don't go and, you know, go to a big viewing party where there's going to be a bunch of people. Sure. Um, You know, and and it can be really tough. I think when veterans are in treatment, we might try to set them up with a plan for exposing themselves to fireworks, right? Being able to learn that just because my body feels really anxious or just because there is this thing that's going on externally does not mean that I'm actually in danger. But for somebody who's not in treatment, Mm -hmm. they might not have that same type of support and so for them it's about like getting somewhere that that's not going to happen Um, on the 4th of July I think veterans are able to know what's coming I think it's the in-between time sure. that can be the most stressful is that like now it's the 10th of july we and all have the,
0: fireworks going all oh yeah, summer quite totally. frankly
1: random really times do. even sometimes when it's not dark out and yeah. so i've noticed you know my dog he's he's afraid of fireworks big time he doesn't know what's going on <laughs> and he will start to get anxious when the sun goes down and i've kind of mentioned this to some of my veterans and they're like yeah same actually now like into August as the sun's going down I'll start to feel anxious because I know that it could happen and it's that unknown I think that really that really gets to people so on the 4th of July and here in Utah the 24th of July might be a little bit more palatable because they know what's coming but it's the in-between time so if you're listening to this and you're somebody who likes to go shoot off fireworks at dusk on the 10th of July or just randomly in between consider saving your fireworks until next year can Consider learning about your neighbors and who's around you and who might be affected by that because sure. it, it really can be extremely distressing to folks. Um, and I think the unexpected nature is, is really a huge part of it. Dr. Elizabeth Scott, she's a psychologist here with us
0: at the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System. She's on the PTSD team. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for having I really having enjoyed me. meeting you and talking to you. And now I know you're so good, I'm going to invite you back. <laughs> so there's that. Anytime.
2: Yes, and Dawn. <laughs> I'm so glad you got your life back. I not only got my life back, I finished my master's degree. I did my internship. Wow. Uh, I have a job now with um, the Utah State Health Department working COVID. And I've been doing that for nine months. And I lead a team of 15, 20 people. So, yeah, my therapy and my work has really paid off.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. You're a great spokesperson and inspiration and role model. So whenever you want to tell your story, you call me. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it's very it. nice to meet you. Thank you both for joining us today, and, and, and thanks for tuning in to Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I'm a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm, and this is very personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening, and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us, or better yet, tell a vet and tell a friend to tune in by texting VETERANS to five seven five zero zero, or go to kslpodcast.com slash VETERANS. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.